Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. For today's episode, I am standing with two guests live at the TMRE conference in Nashville, Tennessee. So everyone give a silent welcome to Josh Billig, who is the market research manager at Microsoft and Shelly Krasnick, who is the VP of marketing effectiveness at GFK. Welcome both to the Thinking Ahead podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah. So early in the conference, you two gave an amazing presentation on Microsoft's efforts for inclusivity in research. Uh, something that is very important, but unfortunately for most is still a work in progress. So I'm not going to make you repeat the entire presentation on the podcast today, but I'd love to start off with just a summary of what you guys talked about. So we wanted to come in and talk about a lot of the work we're doing around inclusivity, but didn't want to get into a ton of detail or turn it into a how-to in any way. And once we stepped back, we just realized that there's just a great array of work that has been done and that we have been doing. And so what a great opportunity to kind of talk about it as holistically and um, and then talk about it as a, an overall mission. Uh, we talked a lot about it actually being a journey, not a destination, and the work that we've been doing within that. So we opted to talk about three different things that we are doing that are examples of things we're doing. Mobile first, uh, work we're doing in uh, improving the representation of Hispanics within our sample, and then um, work we're doing to ensure that our um, surveys are accessible to all respondents as key examples and of things we're doing. Right. So... Josh, why is inclusivity so important to Microsoft? Why why did this project come about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, inclusivity is at the heart of Microsoft. Our mission statement is to empower every individual and organization on the planet to achieve more. And so really, um, all of our thinking is about how do we be more inclusive uh, you know, in, in every aspect of our business. So, um, for example, uh, every employee at Microsoft has to have a diversity and inclusion goal um, or core priority, as we call them. So each individual has to state at the beginning of every year how they are going to contribute to diversity and inclusion at the company, um, which is a statement. It really is a statement about how important it is to us. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's a really, really great initiative. And then of course, how did this partnership um, come to be with GFK and really working on this inclusivity initiative? Sure. Uh, GFK is one of our core partners um, for consumer market research um, and one of our go-tos often when we're doing custom research. Um, so uh, when we started uh, digging into uh, diversity inclusion initiatives, uh, we devised some pilots and partnered with GFK to, to f start figuring stuff out. Well, let's talk about the presentation itself. You gave a little bit of a sneak peek, Shelly, and I want to talk about the first thing that you said out of three, which was about mobile first. And when I was listening to the presentation, this was definitely one that surprised me the most because it's something that I, people, I don't think, really consider as something to be inclusive. So can you talk a little bit more about that and why people need to be thinking about it? We started talking about this. It actually, this was the part that excited me the most that we kind of stepped back and included this because if, if we're really thinking about inclusivity, then it has to be that we are 
allowing everyone to be taking the survey their way. And uh, so making our surveys accessible to all respondents, right? So that we are, the universe that we're looking at is representative. And when we're thinking about that rep representativity, it's, um, it's thinking about it across device as well. Right, yeah. You also mentioned that it's there's certain groups that mm -hmm. tend to be respondents and surveys on the mobile device. So if it's not mobile friendly, you're missing whole groups that dominantly use that as their way to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. So um, just to kind of step back for two seconds, we the, the mobile first work is work we did in 2018. So we kind of took everybody on a little journey backward to kind of talk about this and Part of what we were seeing was that uh, people that were taking surveys on um, smartphones were way more likely to drop out. So we were kind of looking at the dropout rates. And then when we looked at survey satisfaction among those folks, it was not good compared to people that were taking it on other devices. And then uh, when we dove in further, to your point, we saw that there were some groups that were overrepresented or underrepresented when we looked at the respondents that were taking the surveys on their smartphone. So I, I had a couple examples here that I, I pulled up for the purposes of this conversation. Um, the 18 to 24 age group is nearly three times as likely to, to use their smartphone to take a survey. Um, there were more Spanish, Hispanic, and African-American respondents and more likely to have a higher income, but then less likely to have a four-year degree. And we saw those respondents were also, well, the last one's pretty obvious, so I'm not going to share it. But um, but I think it just kind of showed how we were naturally skewing our results and skewing our population by providing a less than optimal experience. So it was a, okay, wait, let's fix this and, and take care of that. Yeah, I think it seemed like such a simple but almost an aha moment, I'm sure, when it first came about that, of course, you need to be doing that. And it's so easy to add it. Yes, and as Shelley likes to say, it was a win-win obviously, because then we increase our response rates, we increase the efficiency of our survey. Um, and I think you mentioned that we had to reduce the length of the surveys to, to keep them short, which is always a good thing to go back and look with a critical eye and sort of have a forcing function to prioritize um, and really just ask what needs to be asked. So um, to win-win, things got more effective. Um, we had higher response rates and we got a higher proportion or more diverse and inclusive audiences. And I, the one thing I'd add to what you just said, Josh, is that um, our, our dropout rates actually uh, decreased across all devices. So by improving the experience on mobile, we actually improved the experience for all devices, which is pretty cool. Hence the word mobile first. Uh, this other, the second point that you talked about was the Hispanic population and their underrepresentation in your surveys and studies. So throughout this work, because as you said, you've been doing this since 2018 and maybe even earlier, how, how have you been able to improve it? And what about other ethnic groups? Uh, so, yeah, um, we, um, well, anyway, so basically about a year ago in um, the research and insights team at Microsoft, of which I am one of many members, uh, we pulled together a team of teams, um, people who did all sorts of different research, and we did an audit um, of our survey across different um, diverse audiences and populations. One thing we discovered was that um, the Hispanic consumers were 
underrepresented by about a third of what the census said they should be. So we went in and started digging, and what we discovered um, based um, on, we found a Pew study actually that helped us understand what that population should look like, and we compared our results to theirs, and, and the Hispanics in our, in our survey tended to be higher socioeconomic status, so they tended to be higher income, um, higher education. Um, so we actually did a pilot uh, where we asked, um, we translated the survey into Spanish, we asked some acculturation questions from that Pew study, um, and discovered that only 3% of um, our sample uh, was spoke Spanish, and we actually expected it to be much higher, about 30% of uh, self-identified Hispanics uh, speak Spanish, so um, or have Spanish as a dominant language. Net-net, um, um, through all of these things, we're able to get a representative sample um, of Hispanics by augmenting with uh, custom Hispanic panels, um, making sure we had the mix right, and then weighting them back into our GenPop sample, our, our GenPop audiences. Um, so anyway, all in all, we were able to identify the problem, find a solution, and actually now we have a representative sample of Hispanics in our research. I think an important thing here is it was, it's a lot of work, right? I mean, the steps that Josh just went through, the steps that we have to go through in order to ensure that our sample is representative is, is a lot of work. And, um, and don't, for, don't forget expensive. And in this, and it's expensive. And part of part of what we wanted to do here was have a bit of a rallying cry as an industry that we have the opportunity to ensure that our panels are more representative and that our respondent groups are naturally more representative, so that we don't have to do these additional steps and add in these additional steps in order to have that representation. So it was pretty exciting for us to see great nods in the audience when we talked about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you're you alluding great to my next question, Shelley, which is I want to talk about the quote that Josh, you gave that by far got the most reaction out of the audience. I mean, everybody was nodding their heads. And, and you said that basically, if you are not being intentionally inclusive, you're being unintentionally exclusive. And of course, it's expensive to make sure you're being or inclusive. So how often do you think it is others are being unintentional with their research and unfortunately aren't uh, getting that right representation? Honestly, yeah, it's interesting. I think um, I think Shelley's going to say this later and we say it a lot, but um, inclusivity is a journey and not a destination. So I think everybody probably thinks about it to some degree, probably to the degree that they're just getting a general population sample. Um, and not necessarily thinking about the, in, the audiences within that sample um, specifically. Um, when I first started on this journey, I expected for there to be solutions to all these problems that were already built. Um, I expected our sample providers to have already thought through whether they were providing a representative sample of Hispanics. I expected our uh, survey platforms to have already accommodated uh, some of these things. And what we discovered that None of these solutions were built. Um, some of them were built, but were very limited in scope. Uh, so a long answer to a short question is, I, I don't think uh, a lot of people are currently giving it a great deal of thought or else I think we'd be further down this road. I think there's hidden bias as well. So even even the places where we think we're we're thinking about it <laughs> or we think we've solved for it, we need to continue to ask ourselves questions and to and to um, challenge ourselves, right? I am constantly challenged. <laughs> Are there certain questions that you should be asking for Josh for you on, for example, 
asking Shelly to make sure that she has everything you need um, to get this done. Or Shelly, when you're trying to find a good panel that's a good representative to get this done, what are some certain questions you can be asking providers to make sure that you're getting what you need? I'm going to let Shelly answer that one. <laughs> Josh is going to say, because Josh would just say he's going to make sure I'm doing my job. Well, no, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give an example. All right, so I'll give Shelly time to think, but no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, when we decided to augment the, with um, the Hispanic audience, with uh, self-identified Hispanic uh, panels, uh, we discovered that the, <laughs> the incidence of people self-identifying as Hispanic within Hispanic, within panels, Hispanic panels was 50%. So we lost out of the gate 50% from a custom panel. Um, We weren't expecting that. Um, One thing we didn't talk about that we should have, and I kind of regret not, not we, that I should have talked about is the survey was 40% longer in in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a much longer survey. Um, And we didn't accommodate that. We didn't cut it back to lower than 15 minutes to accommodate other audiences uh, just having 15 minutes. So there were repercussions. Um, Fortunately, as we've talked about, the results at a general pop level didn't change that much. So that was one thing that made it easier. That's a great point because I think somebody asked you about whether you need to change the content uh, when and whether we need to think differently about our questions. And I, I hadn't thought about that either. But when we... It, we did find that it was a, a 1.4x in terms of length, which thankfully aligned with other um, other pieces of literature that have talked about um, different languages and kind of the same survey in different languages and what that looks like. So uh, it's 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 good to know because you're right. We've got to then think about what's our what's our base from a time perspective. That's important. Yeah, it's really all coming back to that being unintentionally exclusive. Right now, a lot of systems just aren't built up to where, of course, it's a great idea. And you think, of course, it's important to everyone. So it must already be figured out. But the, the fact of the matter is, it's not quite and things aren't built yet to the standard they need to mm-hmm. be in a lot of cases. And every what? time I think we've asked all the right questions, it's like, oh, God, why didn't we think about that? So. And, uh, another example of of trying to be inclusive is um, when we started on this journey with the Hispanic audience and trying to be representative, one of the suggestions was, why don't you just convert or translate the survey into Spanish and that'll fix the problem, um, which we did. But when we dug deeper, we realized that would not fix the problem, that our, that this audience wasn't adequately represented in yeah, the panels the that we were using. Okay. So the first effort at being inclusive did not solve the problem. Yeah. That makes sense. What about the thinking about the fact that also inclusivity can be a very sensitive topic sometimes? There are things that maybe people don't want to disclose, or maybe there's just areas that you have to go to when you're looking at how you want to do your research that um, you're just you don't, you're not sure how to approach. Maybe you're not a part of that group. You're not sure how you're supposed to identify them. What are some of those really big challenges that come about when when you're thinking about these things? One of the places that we struggled with that a lot was uh, the accessibility work that we've done, which we really haven't talked about here yet, but that was the third topic that we discussed. And uh, when we dove into this, it was, okay, wait a second, if we're doing accessibility, um, our initial question and what started us down this road was re- research on research to say, um, what pers- do, do we have a representative sample of people with disabilities in our in our panels? And um, I remember this well because I we, we got on a call and I said, well, how are we going to define disability and what are the disabilities that we're going to ask about and how are we going to ask about them? And um, I, I personally struggled with that a lot. And 
then we realized that they had asked about it in census. And so we read up on a lot of different, a lot of different ways to ask about it. And I think we, we rested on the questions that they asked in, sense, in census, number one, because we felt like the, there was research that had been done and kind of uh, we're relying on their research, wrong or right, to be helpful in terms of asking. But we also knew that census could be a source of truth. And Josh talked about that earlier. And, um, you know, what, what is the source of truth? And then how do we know we're representative, quote unquote? And otherwise, we're just kind of following our own truth. And so it was a it was a way for us to kind of say, all right, let's let's ground in this truth. Let's choose this truth. And then we can build off of that. Just sort of building on that, Shelley, like with accessibility, I had learned my lesson from the Hispanic uh, audience where I said, you know, we translated to Spanish, but that didn't solve the problem. So I was coming into the accessibility thinking, well, we can make it accessible. But are there people who have these challenges that are in our panels that will answer the survey? And so I'm like, if if we build it, will there be anyone there to use it? Um, And I think we found the answer to be yes. Um, I think um, we were, yeah, so we used the census questions. We did find that we had slightly overrepresented those populations, which is great. and Surprising. we also, yeah, yeah, and just to call out, we do have, you know, uh, inclusive design, inclusive products is a big pillar at Microsoft. We do have a lot of different question batteries and things to assess those, um, find those audiences. However, they were long batteries of questions that were not really, they were more intended for usability research, uh, where you may have a lot yeah. of time to screen someone. Or product design. Or product yeah. design. So uh, we had to come up with something that could be asked in the survey in an efficient manner and the census questions did that yeah uh, even you explaining it I, I feel like i need to listen back to this podcast to really understand because it's oh, sorry. Uh, it's, <laughs> no i mean because it, it's such a it's complicated and it seems like no matter you know every case is different so there's so much that you have to think about and put together and then as you said at the end of the day you still need the survey to be um, a good experience where people can actually get through it at the same time I mean, that can definitely be tough. Um, is there is there anything that um, you guys weren't able to cover in the presentation that you wish you could have in the time? Well, we knew we had 20 minutes, so I think we kind of kept reminding ourselves that we couldn't cover everything. But um, but it was also a great opportunity for us to kind of uh, make this a drumbeat of um, let's let's all take this as our mission to improve here versus getting into everything in detail. So um, so I, I, I think there's a lot we knew we left on the table. Yeah, I, w- I hope no one came away from the presentation thinking it was a how-to guide uh, for any of the topics above. Um, and we're happy to have follow-up discussions with people about sort of the more granular details. Um, one of the things was we, we shared, or Shelly shared, three examples of how we make surveys more accessible. But the list of things that you need to do is, is much, much longer. It's 15, 20 things at the very least that sort of need to be checked. Uh, so... Yeah, there's just so much that we haven't done. And we, we haven't talked about it, but weren't, you know, we talked about Hispanics, but there's all sorts of other target audiences that are not addressed in this presentation that we really need to make sure we're representing adequately. Um, Hispanics was the largest gap in representation, and that's where we started, but we're far from done. Yeah. So thinking ahead, is that the next step, going to that next big underrepresented group that needs to start being more included into the surveys? I think, yeah, there will be multiple steps. I think accessibility is a big one. Um, I 
manage uh, two large trackers at Microsoft, but there's a lot of research that could benefit from this as well. And so we really need to sort of codify it and, and sort of socialize it across my organization, and as I'm sure Shelley will do across GFK. Yeah, I, I owe Josh a progress report on what we're doing with accessibility, uh, but but we've got teams at GFK that are working on it pretty avidly, and um, it's 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 exciting, and we're seeing I'm seeing our development team really excited and inspired by it, and I'm seeing um, other other clients getting excited by the fact that this development is occurring. So we're pretty excited that Microsoft gave us a nudge in this direction uh, that 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 nudge is going to really enable us to nudge others within the industry and and make that move so uh, i i agree with you it's not an insignificant piece of work and it's it will be a significant uh change yeah absolutely well unfortunately we're out of time um mainly because i'm almost out of questions but also we're about to get kicked out of our recording area <laughs> here at the conference by uh, by a camera crew so i want to ask you guys one last question to close us off um just to get a little more personal but what are some of the biggest personal discoveries that you found throughout working in this big project within inclusivity you want me to, me to go? Like, um, so this is a podcast. Uh, you can't tell, but I'm a cisgender white male. Um, and for someone uh, to come in and talk about diversity and inclusion is a challenge for me because I don't want to come across. I feel like I, I really need to be hyper aware of those around me and and sort of how I talk about topics. Um, and, and anyone who knows me knows I'm kind of a bull in a china shop. Like I, I barrel in, I think out loud. Um, and so it's really been an opportunity for me to learn um, it, in much more detail how people feel about these about these topics and to be much more sensitive about it. I think the word Hispanic um, actually rubs some people the wrong way. Um, and I learned that when we were practicing uh, the presentation. Um, and even though that's a census designated sort of word and it's what we used, um, I needed to make sure th that I was sensitive to the fact that people identified with other terms. Well, following on your theme, um, I what what you can't see is that I have a I have a, I don't like you to use the word disability, but I am mobily challenged. I walk with a cane, and so disability for me is is sensitive because it's something that I deal with every day. So um, I've I've had to. It's given me a unique perspective, but there's definitely points where I've had to ensure that it's not me coming into it personally, and then I'm kind of stepping out of my own personal bias or personal feeling. Uh, but I want to share a, a, a fun little story that happened yesterday, which is that I was I was wearing a, a dress at the at the uh, presentation yesterday, and we had like four minutes for the AV guy to mic us up, and he was giving us these little clip-on mics, and Josh just kind of took it and you put it like in your back pocket, right? And we were standing there and I was like, oh, God, like, what do I do? Do I go in the corner and pull up my dress and, and tuck the microphone in and, under my dress? And I didn't have time. And so when we started out the presentation, I was just holding this mic pack. And I actually said to, said to people, um, I'm going to be holding this mic pack because I didn't wear the right clothing. And, um, and then I just kind of said, if it's disruptive, please let me know and I can, I can put it down. So this woman came to me after the presentation and asked me if I'd read a book called uh, The Invisible Woman, 
which I, I hadn't, I haven't. And she said that she had literally been reading this book on the plane to the presentation. And it talks about how a lot of design isn't keeping women in mind. And it actually used the mic as an example, saying that these mics did not think about women's clothing and women's design when they were designed. And so here it just struck me that I had apologized for my clothing at the beginning and said, oh, I didn't wear the right clothing when, in fact, it was the mic that wasn't actually optimized for my clothing that was the issue. So in being intentionally inclusive, I was being apologetic and I wasn't being intent and, and, and not giving not even giving myself credit for it and kind of apologizing for the context around me. So I think it was just this like, oh my gosh. And uh, she was, this woman was in no way accusatory. It was actually, she was saying, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this. It's so ironic. But I think it's just this reminder that there's kind of clues and cues around us that we are all navigating around every day and that we have to kind of stop and take a moment and ask if it's. Yeah. No, that, that's some real serendipity. And that's, you know, that's the same example. You really have to be intentional and think about it all the time um, until it becomes a habit that is just the way that hopefully everyone begins to think. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for both being here today for the podcast. I really appreciate it. Anyone who's listening, if you're interested in knowing more about the presentation, maybe you have some um, more questions that you want to ask Shelly and Josh, I will make sure that you guys have what you need in the show notes. Um, so you can have some links to some relevant content um, and get in touch with us as well. But um, I want to thank you both of you guys for being here today, taking some time out of the conference to speaking with me um, and loaning some of your insights for everybody listening. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.